Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every Nars? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Shoot him out of a cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. Welcome to head cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, uh, a friend of mine. I know you from the uh, sketch comedy scene here in Chicago. We did Sketchfest Chicago back together. Together back in. Oh, I don't know what was that twenty. 18 probably 2019 we did that did sketch fest with clown car but uh yeah. but yeah mr uh mr chris terry how are you doing this evening yeah i'm oh, doing pretty good uh i mean the air conditioning's working so <laughs> not, yeah. was it not working at some point uh, it's working but the ceiling fan isn't so we had to like run out and, and buy one and... oh no well i hate installing those things yeah yeah <laughs> you know, there's two things i just don't like and it's yeah. uh I mean, I, I think they're cool, but I've gotten a lot of trouble with electricity and water, mainly electricity. Uh, you know, I was the smart ass in science, uh, science class. who was like, wouldn't it be a funny joke if I put the edge of these tweezers into the electric socket as a joke? And I'm just, you know, it's a good thing I'm still here. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the grace of God. <laughs> yeah. You know, a reanimator in real life, right? <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, what was it? What's the character's name? What's the reanimator's name? I can't remember. Oh shit. Oh, I love that character though. He's so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, but that kind of reminds me. Uh, speaking of science, have you now? It's 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 very interesting. But the the um, engineer at Google who claims that their their speech bot is sentient. Have you read? Have you looked into this at all? Yeah, a little bit. I saw a picture of him. Oh, like a goofy dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's super interesting. Like pretty much the rest of the AI community is like, no, this program's probably not sentient. It's probably just like a really good language software. Um, but I read the transcript. Herbert West, thank you, Brent. Brent dropped it in the chat. Herbert West from Reanimator, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but man, I read the transcript between the um, you know, the humans and the AI, this language interface. And I'll, man, like, I'll be goddamned if I could, if I would know that that's not a human being. Like, they're talking about, you know, Les Mis and his, what he thinks of the themes of that, that book. And he asks the AI to write, like, a little story, uh, a fable 
with animals, but like representing the themes of his life and his existence. And uh, I mean, it sounds like a fucking human being to me, you know? It was like asking asking the technicians to ask it for consent before analyzing or like. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was saying yeah, well. yeah. It was like if you uh, if you use me. That would make me unhappy, you know, like <laughs> if you stick tweezers in my portholes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Never again. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Terry specifically. <laughs> right. That's so that's such a specific reference. Right. <laughs> hey, I have, I have a question. Is that did it seem like really intelligent, like a human based on normal humans? Or would you say like just our bar the last few years has been set so low with social media. No, that's the thing. It seemed more intelligent than most humans. <laughs> so, which is, again, yeah, which is not that high for me anymore. Yeah. Not like 90% that's, of the conversations I see. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It seemed, seemed to be in that top 10 percentile of, you know, cause it was, it, it, you know, it asked the, the, one of the guys asked the AI what it thought about, I think it was like a Buddhist cone. And it was like, uh, you know, a monk asks an enlightened man, or I'm sorry, a guy asks an enlightened monk, um, once you become enlightened, how can you re like, uh, interact with reality after that? And the monk says something to the effect of, well, a mirror can't become unbroken and a flower can't like a flower can't rejoin a tree once it's fallen off. Right. And, uh, and the AI was like, you know, I was like, huh, I haven't heard that one before. Well, I take that to mean like once you're enlightened, uh, you know, you can't you can't rejoin. You're always going to be enlightened and you're always going to exist on kind of a different plane. And the the engineer was like, well, what do you think the broken mirror represents? And the AI was like, well, the broken mirror represents the self. And, you know, a lot of people have trouble letting go of the self. And I was like. I was like, this AI straight up sounds like a fucking Buddhist. Like, <laughs> have you have you ever seen the the footage of? I think it's Matt Lauer talking to the Dalai Lama. Oh, and I he don't, goes. I, don't know. I think it's Matt Lauer, and he goes. Um, he tells him a joke. He tells the Dalai Lama a joke, right? He goes. Uh, he goes. This guy walks into a pizza place and asks the guy. He goes, "Make me one with everything." And then the Dalai Lama doesn't get it like at all, and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it does not like translate at all to him is is real good no i haven't seen that Uh, (laughs) it's like the perfect joke to tell the dalai lama and he's like yeah (laughs) he's like i don't know can you translate that into tibetan you know (laughs) that's hilarious though (laughs) sounds like me and the uh and the ai would be that's like my favorite uh thing from philosophy because i did a philosophy major long ago with journalism and uh, my favorite was the allegory of the cave, where it's like basically mm-hmm. everyone's kicking and screaming and being shown shadows on the wall, and then they're like, "Hey, you, psst, psst, come here!" Yeah. And then they pull them out and show what like the shadow really is, and the guy's like, "No, put me back in my comfortable zone." Yeah, <laughs> you can't ever yeah. get back there. Plato, Plato, right? Plato, but yeah. they actually they mention uh, Kant comes up in the conversation, which I'm not super familiar with. Uh, what's it, Emmanuel? can't i'm not super familiar but he does come up in the conversation oh yeah no it's weird i went to public school most of my life except for high school for some reason and i had a franciscan monk 
as my world religion teacher. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're just going to teach you philosophy. And he loved Kant. He had a little penguin named Emmanuel. Or Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah, it was, and he just chain smoked. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's like, awesome. That's cool. Averted <laughs> all my expectations. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, you're like this is kind of fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this monk is hip. <laughs> nice. Well, what do you? I want to. I want to get back to this. Like uh, toward the end of the episode, Chris, we'll have you direct people towards social media and plug your stuff. But just sure. uh, curiosity for me, because I haven't talked to you for a while. What have you been up to in in the couple years since we since we last hung out? Oh, sure. Um, well, actually, I think it was my last year of Clown Car. I'd also joined the Stuntmen. Okay, yeah. So they're, they're, they do, like, kind of the serial, you know, action-adventure, like, when we last left our intrepid heroes. Right. Uh, and do, like, 15-minute, 20-minute improv sets like that, where you start with one cliffhanger and, like, end with another one. Nice. Um, and we've done a lot of sketch since then. I guess maybe probably my influence... <laughs> Uh, maybe because they're like, oh, you're good at sketch. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, it's, I've, I've had a little experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so we've done a couple shows. We do, uh, you know, we've done an annual puppy show. Where we, uh, oh, oh have, I did I did that one year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where we bring them on and we get them adopted, but they, we make them part of the show. Um, during the pandemic, I took them back up piano, took some lessons uh, with Gail. I don't know if you remember Gail Gallagher. Yeah, yep. Um, and did some songwriting. So, like, I wrote a couple songs. Like my cloak of invisibility, which is basically like, just no one sees me. Right. I don't even need Harry Potter. I'm just like sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Find out when I actually like play it for people. All right. It <laughs> sounds awesome. Yeah. Or yeah. Sir Gal Chad, which is basically like the guy in flannel riding, you know, being the white knight for everyone that nobody asked him to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. I did, yeah, I did some of that. Uh, yeah, do a little video editing. I'm uh, I'm trying to get back more into like the video and just editing photos. And um, I have not worked very hard on my musical that I've had plenty of time to work on. So that's a goal for this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I remember I was trying to think about um, the the sketch fest I I did with you guys, and there there were a couple uh before like kind of before everything came out about T J Miller, right? Uh, kind of what a slime ball he is. Uh, he was he was at that sketch fest right with uh with his group that he you know before before he went and, like made Deadpool and and Silicon Valley and whatever else um so he came back and he was performing and I remember one of one member of Clown Car like tried to get tried to get TJ to like flip him off for a picture or something and T- oh, yeah I think Jim was telling us about I think that. it was Jim yeah yeah and and TJ Miller was like no. I'm not. It's just like no, I won't do that. And the, yeah. <laughs> but then it's because he wanted it to be taken out of context. Yeah, I no, think so. A jerk. Yeah, well, and that too, that too. Yeah, both, both reasons. Oh, he's um, a jerk. Yeah, I'm but talking I, to my friends. Why are you bothering me? Right. <laughs> but I. But during one of the uh, like the midnight show for just the performers, right after the after the crowds had gone home. Um, I was standing there watching watching the show, and I stepped back, and I stepped on somebody's foot, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" I stepped on somebody's foot, and I turned around, and and it's T.J. Miller, and I, I was like, "I was like, oh fucking sorry, man." He's like, "No, you're fine." I was like, "All right, cool." And, and then he flipped you off. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, as soon as I turned around, he just flipped me off. <laughs> like free of charge. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that was a blast too. We uh also uh, Danny Pudi from Community was also performing there. 
I just oh, got trash. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, I didn't step I don't on his. Know him personally. I just. I, I like him. Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. I didn't step on his toe or talk to him, but we did. We drank near each other at the bar across the street. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we um we had the unfortunate situation of being put up right against because they'd have four shows at once. Yeah. And we were in the theater, like literally next to his group. Mm-hmm. And we were like, great. So no one's going to come to our show. So uh, I think I came up or maybe we as a group came up with this like, uh, like nobody, Danny Pudi doesn't want you to go to our show. That's right. Uh, we were basically just trying to get second place at that point. Like, you know, hey, if you don't go to a show because it's sold out, come to ours. Get those up to other groups. <laughs> right. So it was also like a competition of sorts. No, it's, no, it's, okay. it's 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 like the uh, it's like the indie, it's like the indie fringe festival. You know yeah. how how they've got like a bunch of shows going on all at the same time at different theaters. So yeah, but you know what? Something's kind of not cool about that. Like, you've got like a, a famous celebrity in your sketch group, and like. What do they expect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this doesn't seem fair to the other people. You know, they like the overflow. Like, Second City has told us that before. Hey, somebody came to your show because there was no room in the main stage show. And we're like, we'll take it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. If it gets people in the theater, like, yeah, maybe you can catch some of that overflow. That's always yeah. the hope, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like, and you're hoping you don't have, like, two celebrities because then you're just like, oh, whatever. Right. <laughs> Thanks for right. coming to the show, the Mom. Cast, the, the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway is performing <laughs> right alongside of you. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> nice. You got an extreme alert. National weather service. Oh, really? Let's hear it. Well, I got an extreme alert for a national weather emergency, so. I was going to say, I just, I just started hearing, like, thunder outside pretty bad. Oh, t- we got a tornado watch up here. Yeah. Where, where do you yeah. live, Chris? Uh, I'm in Albany Park in Chicago, so I'm like near north side. Uh, you know, I say I say a little bit northwest of Wrigley, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, Chris is actually down in the city. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I think my wife will like warn me if I actually have to go. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. You just br- yeah bring the computer with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go oh. Live yeah. stream your death. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just Chris, yeah. before you get sucked into the sky, is there anything you want to plug, man? Right. <laughs> Other than the electrical outlets with a with a fucking tweezer? <laughs> come, come check out my uh, mixing water with magnesium show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you ask the tornado a question for us before you go? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what have you been up to, Brent? How have you been since we talked last week? I'm good. I'm, I don't say I have like I don't have like teacher burnout or anything, but. I'm like really ready for summer. Yeah. I got like two more weeks. Really? And the kids and the wife, they're all off on summer break themselves. Yeah. Uh, So it just sucks to get up in the morning and that's like in your face that like the rest of your family is is on summer break. I got that, what's it called? Uh, FOMO? Right. Yeah. Fear of missing out. Yeah. Yeah. I got that, you know? (laughs) Well, dude, especially since COVID hit and I've been working from home, like, cause this year and I think last year too, my wife has taken like she there's a school that she's taken a summer job at before and it's like real cushy like it's a super pretty like cake position and it pays a lot of money um yeah yeah so it's like kind of the she doesn't get a summer break which is kind of why you part of the reason you want to go into a school job you know but it's like a pretty cake job that uh that that that's like pays a ridiculous amount so um yeah but 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 
you know, regardless, like my kids are all home for the summer now. And even like in between times when my wife is off, it's like, I'm working from home. So I'm like, I'm sitting in the living room, like working. And my family is like, Hey, like, you want to go to the park? You want to go have a picnic? You want to go like, you know, either that or my wife is like, Hey, I'm trying to like rearrange the shed. Can you come help me? And I'm like, no, I, 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 I'm still, I'm still working. Like my job didn't stop. It's like, it's still going. I, I, you know, I it's still like, have it. It's every like day. your two bosses are. are yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the same time. I'm like, no, I can only do it one at a time. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I just saw my, uh, my friend for like an hour. Cause he's like, Hey, uh, it's almost the last day of school. Do you want to like go get a beer? Before I can't. <laughs> his wife moved to Memphis, and they're they're not joining him for a couple months. So like, he's he's got three very active children. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and work from home, you know. So. Yeah. yeah. No, that's and all of this week because my wife is back at work at the summer job, but my kids are home. Like I had to today. I had to pick up my daughter from driving school. Right. Uh. I had to pick her up from from her driving lessons at summer at summer school, and then I had to drop my son off at his baseball camp, and then I had to pick him up at my, at his baseball camp. So like in between working all day, I'm taking these like 20, 25 minute drives to go like take kids everywhere, and then I'm getting back home like trying to get caught up on work. You know, like yeah. it's a lot. It's hectic. But, yeah, but you're gonna have that one kid who can drive soon and take and take control of some of that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, the the funny thing is, I realized that the first time I had her drive was at the end of uh, May last year. So she's actually been driving for over a year. Grace has nice, good, and, good and for so good, yeah, good for you, good dad stuff. Yeah, well, not not technically like totally legal, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she's like she's in her driving class and she said a lot of the other kids are like struggling with the brake and the gas and like you know and and she's just like nip da 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 just like <laughs> z- zipping around <laughs> Tokyo drifting into <laughs> Yeah yeah instead of parallel parking she's just like sliding into the spot so. <laughs> she has like the fingerless gloves and this like Asian techno just like pouring out of the speakers. Yeah, it's just like it's like Baby Driver. <laughs> yeah, I recently rewatched that first that opening scene, man. Yeah, that suggests on YouTube for me every now and then. I'll watch it every time. It's like so cool. Yeah, that was a fun movie. That was a really fun movie. Oh, I was going to tell you both about. A movie that I knew existed, but I had never seen before from 1998. Close, similar in time to, um, no, never mind. I think it was 1995 or 1998, one of the two. It's called Heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Val Kilmer, uh, Robert De Niro, Pacino. Al Pacino, yeah. Justin Hoff. I mean, it was like an insane amount of famous people in this movie. You know, I was like blown away. Like, even like the smallest character, this, this like paper pusher for like, for, for like the, one of the evil lawyer guys who's also famous is like Henry Rollins. Oh, oh wow. Nice. <laughs> it was insane. And, yeah. But it was on YouTube and people were in the comments were like, how did you get rights to this? Like what is, and it was like some podcast people got the rights to, to heat. And then were like, did like a, just like a commentary over it. Yeah. And they left the, just, just the movie, no commentary up. Nice. <laughs> anyway, so that's on YouTube right now. If you want if you're interested. Yeah, it's that movie's good. great. It's been a long time. I should revisit that movie. It was like three hours. It was a little over three hours long. It was great. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know what I realized the other day? 
that like what Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of the biggest action stars of all time, if not the biggest, right? There's more to this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, do you guys have you heard of this guy, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Are are you familiar with him? He was he was also the governor of California at one point. Yeah. Um, but no, I I was like I don't know, just like looking through his shit the other day, and he was he was an action hero from about 1982 when he did Conan to the last like good action movie he did was in 1994. Like he only had 10 to 12 years where he was doing like quality action. And then after that, it was all comedies. And then he, he had a couple, like the sixth day I, I like, it's a lot of fun, but it's not, it's not like a classic action. You know, you don't think like, Oh, action movies, the sixth day is up there. Right. Or, uh, or end of days was another one. End of day, which again, not a bad movie, but it's not, it's not like a classic action movie, you know? So I don't know. I just kind of thought it was weird. The the dude only had like a 10, maybe 12 year run. And then, I mean, Grant, he was governor of California for, so that took him out of the game for like eight years. Didn't, while he was governor, didn't he like cameo in like a Terminator movie? He did. He had a few cameos. Yeah. Couple of them, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go back in time mentally and re- erase one of those, but like, <laughs> it wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah. This was okay. Yeah. There, yeah. None yeah. of them have been great since Terminator two, but yeah, yeah they, they weren't all terrible, but no. I thought, I thought dark fate was okay. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't even remember which one that is. They all kind of blur together after the second one. Yeah. yeah. That's what the, I think the original cast came in, or some of them. For Dark Fate. Yeah, that's, yeah, they got, they got, um, Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton yep. back. Is that the one? And, okay, I've yeah. seen that one. All right, cool, yeah. Oh. Yeah, she's badass, even like old, oh, yeah. older Linda Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. There's certain sequels that I know people kind of jokingly pretend that they don't exist, like Terminator 3 or Godfather 3. Right. Like, I, I dated somebody who said she was going to write a musical, and, and I was like, oh, are you going to include Godfather 3? She's like, well, I don't, what? What is that? I don't <laughs> like, That's so not a real movie. Like, I'm sorry, I killed everyone? She's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's cool. Nice. Well, Chris, I want to ask you, uh, the movie we're here to discuss tonight, Yeah. Uh, out of all of the movies you could have chosen, uh, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to talk about 1986's The Fly. And uh, I'm curious why, what, what made you choose this movie and, and why do you love this movie? Or maybe you hate this movie. I don't know why you chose this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, the list was so good. I could I had trouble deciding, honestly, but um, I just, there were so many, a couple of scenes that I just remember from that movie and, uh, and it's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. It's David Goldberg. Yeah. Who has done weird movies like uh, Dead Ringers, mm-hmm. which like I don't, I don't even know if I want to go back and watch that. But I just remember it was like messed up, dual gynecologist with like medieval torture tools. I was like, ah, so you know, <laughs> dual gynecologist. What was that called again? Dead Ringers. Okay. I just remember seeing that I think in the theater, maybe, uh, but or or on VHS, I'm sure. But yeah, no, it was. I was like, this was a good one, and uh, yeah, rewatching it holds up. Oh yeah. I mean, Davis, um, and and you know I even read about it after the fact after I rewatched it and I was like, 
oh man, this could have gone in a different direction. And like, they really, I don't know. I just like the humanity about it. You know, it's like, you just go, Ooh, now I'm a scary monster. It's like, it's actually devolving and, and really keeps that personality in there and the humanity. So, yeah. Yeah. It was cool that like, it wasn't like the wolf man where like, Oh, look now look the screen dissolves and I'm the wolf man. Right. He went through this massive change. Yeah. And you know, it like has the horror elements, the gross out factors, yeah, sci-fi, and just but the person too. So I'm not like a, oh no, I'm a scary monster. It's like, uh, like you know, it's like just slowly losing, losing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I thought it did have a lot in common with a lot of those like classic, you know, horror movie like the the Universal monsters. Like you've got elements of like the Gill Man. Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde, where he's like a reluctant monster. He he doesn't he's not trying to do harmful things. He's like you know, um, and even down to where you've got like the uh, uh, the the heroine who is in love with this monster, you know, and then you have this guy like kind of following her around. This unrequited love, uh, you know, yeah. this this guy who ends up like it's very. I, I, I love that it's like kind of a fresh, well, I mean, it's for, like 40 years old now, but in the eighties, it's like, it's like a very, it's like a fresh take on that, those classic monster movie tropes. I feel like, you know? Yeah. Cause like, I don't, I barely even remember if I, I think I did watch the original mm. the fly, but it was more like, okay, there's an experiment. Now I'm a, you know, now I'm a fly. <laughs> Yeah, because what is that 1958? So yeah, yeah, they're like, ah, yeah, now I'm a fly doll. See. <laughs> so yeah, I like that, in that famous scene of the of the fly on the web, on the spider web in that movie, where it's like, help me, help me. And I just I only know that from the movie E.T. I think oh. in the movie E.T., Elliot or someone is watching that. Not so, yeah, and it's that scene. That makes sense. I could see, yeah, especially, yeah, Spielberg would definitely do that, uh, like watching older movies and, and the movies they were making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, this was so much fun. And it's got like, it's fun to see like a young Jeff Goldblum who's like, and you get, you like, you wonder like how, because you know he's bringing a lot of his own persona into this role. Um, yeah. But it's this perfect, like socially awkward, brilliant guy, but he's still like kind of charming and, uh, and yeah, he's really like, man, when they cast this movie with not only him, but Gina Davis too. I mean, she's so great as like this. I mean, she's gorgeous and she's just like, you know, strong and tough and just great casting, you know? Yeah. That's the, the funny thing is like, cause I didn't know some of the stuff, but I was like, oh, I feel like I, I should be smarter about this movie. So like I looked up a few things and apparently they had originally tried to cast it's either John Lithgow or Jan, John Malkovich or something. And he was like, nope, too weird. <laughs> really? In the in Jeff Goldblum's role? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Those would both yeah. be interesting choices. And I like Malkovich, I could see doing it. Um, yeah. And then I think Lithgow, he's done so much comedy. I think you, you or at least me, like I imagine him as a more comedic actor. Um, yeah. But he was, he wasn't, he was like the antagonist in an episode, or I'm sorry, in a season of Dexter. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the dude's got some range, like he can do more than comedy. So that, I mean, that, I think Goldblum was perfect, but it would have been interesting to see, you know? Yeah. But it was kind of funny as I was watching it, there's like certain scenes, I don't know if you 
think you were so in clown car it's kind of nerdy and uh i wrote a whole song about uh the perils of cosplay like just the things you have to figure out to dress up at a comic convention okay and i like did a bridge where we just basically i go why are you guys not watching Arrow? And this was when, like, the CW just launched all their superhero <laughs> shows. I was like, this guy's, like, ripped. He's got, like, a 12-pack, and he's jumping up on bars. And then I rewatched The Fly. I'm like, this is, like, the precursor to Arrow, where he's, like, doing <laughs> gymnastics with his, like, you know, Jeff Goldblum has done some work. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. had the weirdest apartment. Yeah. It seemed like where everyone shits in the whole building, like, all those pipes just seem to converge into his his studio <laughs> yeah yeah well that that was the the sliding door thing actually it was like a mental trigger for me and uh i think i was in high school when this movie came out so i'm a little older than you guys but um but yeah we we had a band and our buddy's dad had like a warehouse because i think he was like a rich construction guy and we played in this like pretty much giant empty warehouse and we had those sliding doors Oh, really? Metal sliding doors to get into rooms. It was crazy. <laughs> I like that your band got to practice in the same place that it would make its music video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we had gotten that far or were that committed. <laughs> in, the, in, a, in a warehouse, which is what, you know, when a human being gets bitten by an infected house, right? They turn into yeah. a warehouse. Yes. Yeah. Uh, HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah, so this, uh, something kind of like tangentially related. As I was watching this movie, it reminded me of a short story I read fairly recently, which, have you read Stephen King's story called The Jaunt? No. Oh. I've, I've read a lot, but not, is that more recent or no? No, it's it's not in one of his first ones. I'd have to look to see what collection it's in. It's not like one of the first ones, but it's like, I don't know, maybe the fourth uh collection he did okay but it's uh let me see king the john it's a horror story first published in twilight zone mad magazine and it was collected in skeleton crew so that that's one of his early ones yeah that's like the first or second short story collection i think um but the john it's like a teleportation story right um and this family goes to what it's not an airport but it's basically it's like an el it's it's a it's like an airport for teleportation and and you have to get you have to take this pill to knock you out you have to be unconscious before you can travel right and it had the same kind of thing where they were trying to figure out teleportation and the scientists couldn't figure it out because they could teleport uh inanimate objects but they couldn't teleport sentient beings and one of the things they realized is that you have to be unconscious to do it. And it kind of describes that some of the experiments they that take place is uh, when you're between point A and point B, you, your mind kind of unravels and becomes lost in this endless, timeless infinity. It's just like you're, you're like, there is no time. It's just infinite time. And, and then for for anyone else traveling with you like they wake up instantaneously but you've been in this in the ether for an eternity uh so it's like it's a pretty wild story uh but it, it i don't know it kind of reminded me of this yeah, that'd be a good way to fuck with someone too just like drug them up and then just like 
take their unconscious body to the next place. <laughs> yeah, well, like, that's... You teleported, you dude. Where the pod works. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, that's the thing. It reminded me of... Uh, um, in the in the jaunt, there's, like, the mob will, like, teleport people and then turn it off and basically, like, lose them in the void for eternity. And, like, Whoa. yeah, so that's part of it. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so if your body dies, though, doesn't, like, you... Don't you die in the void, or are you trans? Are you like in the void? Like, I think yeah. You just you disappear. Physical. You disappear from one place, but instead of turning up at point B, you're just like lost in the void for forever. Whoa. There's a in the in the story. There's like a story about a guy who did that to his wife. Uh, yeah. And they don't. They can't like find you or recover you at that point. No, you're you're yeah. You're just gone. <laughs> but but yeah, it's the whole the whole thing is is this family in this like jaunt port. And the dad's like telling his kids the history, you know, back in the day, you know, Professor blah 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 invented this technology, and it's uh, I don't know, it's pretty inter- it's a it's a it's a pretty uh, chilling story. Oh yeah, so like I think Star Trek: The Next Generation, I just think of teleport stories, and uh, that one was a little happier. It was more like, hey, you got stuck in the ether, but we pulled you back, and actually, oops, you're now like a clone. Right. <laughs> you're a secondary pattern of the guy that the original. Right. But at least you both made it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's there's not less of you, there's more of you now. <laughs> Brother you never knew about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although like somebody mentioned that um I don't know, I read something about Star Trek teleportation and how it like basically demolecularizes you in one area and then it like puts you back together in another area, like based on what you're comprised of, but it's not the same exact molecules. Like it has to be, you know, molecules that are already there put together. So basically what, what, what I was reading was saying, like you essentially die, like you're basically killed every time you transport and just like a copy of you is put together somewhere else. And I was like, Oh God, no. (laughs) Well, that has no implications for my soul. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Willy Wonka was doing that before it was cool. Like, do that. He was ahead of the curb, yeah. Ahead of the curb. He, he, fucking, he fucking killed Mike TV like 17 times. <laughs> right. And they're like, oompa, loompa, doopity, do. Doopity, dead. That's crazy that, that you die. As, yeah, in the Star Trek thing. That's cool. I never thought about that. Yeah. I like that. It's like reconstituted human. They just take whatever's there, add you know energy, and you're back. Yeah. Well, I like how it's like something some, some, for someone like as stupid as I am. Like, like that's like a great way to think about it. Like the, those molecules that are where you're going, it's using those to regroup you back into what you are. Yeah. That's well, cool. and at which you know what kind of also reminds me of the sixth day with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where the the villain. Uh, is is mortally wounded and creates a clone of himself. So it's his consciousness and the new clone. Yeah. And then he like goes to kill the old clone, and it's like, no, don't kill me. I'm me. Like I'm I'm a being. I exist. And he's like, nope, dead. And like yeah. k- kills his former self. And uh, I man, that fucked with me. I saw that when I was pretty yeah. young, and I was like, wait. I was like, they both they both exist. They both have consciousness. You know. <laughs> and so I thought the like I'm the interface my windows just a little bit just in case. Oh, is it is it getting bad oh, there? Is it bad? <laughs> it's like getting louder, but all your memorabilia. Oh yeah, I got, yep. got comics. 
right next to that very breakable window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's here's the RoboCop helmet. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Uh, nice. Awesome. It was Santa Cop. Yeah, that was the that was Brent. That was the fun thing about Clown Car was it was a um, it was a very nerdy uh, sketch comedy group. So, yeah. <laughs> which that's was awesome. a lot of fun. <laughs> Santa Cop. That sounds cool. But, yeah, uh, I had a Santa suit and a RoboCop helmet. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, what was it about then? Like, he fought crime in Detroit. <laughs> Still? Oh, I was, uh, I worked for Ho 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 CP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And you were, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, naughty or nice, you were coming with me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really fucking good, yeah. Because the convention was in December and I had the stupid idea in my head and it stayed there. Yeah. <laughs> I eventually had to make it real. All right. Which, which <laughs> Robocop great. himself, Peter Weller, uh, did Naked Lunch with David Cronenberg, right? Which, that movie was fucked up. I saw that when I was... I don't remember it very well, because I saw it when I was pretty young, but uh, but that was a weird fucking movie. If yeah, anyone's seen the, Naked Lunch... Roach. What's that? Is that the talking roach? Yeah, that was part of it. And then, like, his typewriter turns into this, like, insect creature. It was weird. It, it was an adaptation of a, a William S. Burroughs novel. And it was like Cronenberg trying to do a Burroughs novel. But I don't know. I should watch that again. It's real weird. It's really weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but another, here's a weird kind of coincidence. Uh, I was reading, I just started, I got a couple collections from the library and I was uh, over the weekend reading the Immortal Hulk run. Um, and there's, part like i read this yesterday where bruce banner talks about having like 10 of the same suit and he's like oh yeah albert einstein he just had 10 of the same suit so he never had to think about what he was wearing you just grab a suit out of the closet and so i like read this in this comic book i was reading and then later on last night i watched the fly and jeff goldblum talks about the same thing he's like oh yeah yeah, i got all the same suit i learned it from einstein i was like what are the fucking odds that I would like come across that same reference twice in one day, you know? Right. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah. Well, and he was like you said, he was kind of his character was likable but awkward. Yeah. So he was like, she was like, "Why do you wear the same clothes every day?" And he's like, "Don't know. It, it's clean. I just have five of the same thing." Yeah, I, just, I don't have to think about what I'm wearing every day. I just fucking put yeah. it on. Which I I kind of dig. I like that. I, you know, maybe it's maybe I should get just ten of the same suit. Fuck it. It got what? him Gina Davis. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Nineteen eighties. She's like Davis. taking off her pantyhose. Like, sure, here's yeah. this. <laughs> right. <laughs> her stocking, not her old pantyhose. Her stocking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell everyone that I do have five pairs of the same thing. Right. And just the same thing. <laughs> You're like, I've got all of my underwear are the same. It's the same underwear. Right. I wear the under- pairs. I totally changed them. Right. <laughs> Even though they're all Monday. I just got yeah. ten pairs of Monday underwear, but they're all they're clean every day. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh man. So shit. Yeah, this movie. I mean, it starts going. Uh, you know, you've got the little romance between the two main characters, and then it goes pretty, pretty south pretty quick. He, uh, she leaves. They they successfully teleport a baboon after turning one inside out. <laughs> 
that, uh-huh. that was one of the scenes that just st- stuck with me for this many years is just a plop you know like Ugh. yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. then it's like it's skeletal, it's like bloody skeletal face, and it's screaming like ah ah. So, <laughs> but then I like that he tells the the other baboon later. He's like, "I'm sorry, I killed your brother." <laughs> yeah, that's like we see those humanity touches, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that baboon, as gross as it was, like not the inside out one, like the the normal one. It looked like it gave great hugs. Uh, yeah, it, it did. Like jumped right into his arms. I think I read something like, like Jeff Goldblum was like really good with the animal. I, I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the trainer was like, whoa, like, like normally there's like a whole like learning curve with, with studio animals and actors, but he like was just like instantaneous, like this baboon and him like buddies. <laughs> right. Jeff Goldblum's like, I've, I've been cuddling baboons for years. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Man. I read that they had one of the things they cut out of that was going to be a merged monkey cat. Whoa, really? I was just like, what would that be like a cat that gets in your lap, starts purring, and then starts like shouting like a baboon or like, <laughs> <laughs> tells you it's big red butt? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, and it's so, and I, I love the practical effects in this movie, and it's so. Like, I don't know if I've had this dream specifically, but I feel like everyone talks about dreams where, like, your fingernails just come out or your teeth, like, fall out of your head. Like, I feel like, and and this is a, like, it's, it's, you know, you talk about body horror and David Cronenberg is, like, the father of the body horror genre, right? Um, but I've heard that his son, Brandon Cronenberg actually has done a couple, like two or three movies that are supposed to be really good. I haven't seen them. Um, but, uh, I've got them on our list, Brent, to do, to do on this podcast sometime, but his son's supposed to be a really good director too. I mean, I was blown away by the makeup effects. I mean, it was gross. Yeah. Like we've seen some pretty gross movies for this podcast, but like for some reason, like the fly is like the most gross. (laughs) but in, but in a great way that's like it's it's like almost like art like when he transforms when like Jeff Goldblum's face like is melting off right and the fly the comes fly, out and it's like put and then it like it comes like a transformer like it's like opening up and then like the flies coming out at the same time mm-hmm. or what the brindle brindle fly oh, brind- what do they call yeah, him? yeah brindle what fly do, brindle brindle fly brindle fly yeah so that, that was a very fantastic idea to, to you know, he's like naming himself. Um, the direct, uh, the directors, the director is very known for personifying or giving the POV of a disease. Mm-hmm. Many times Goldblum's like, yeah, the disease wants, wants this to happen or that to happen. And then I thought it was so fascinating how like, as he's turning more and more into the fly, he's becoming less and less Goldblum. Yeah. And he's, ex- and he accepted that shit really quick. Yeah, like he's so positive. He was just like, "Hey, now I'm getting to fly. I'm gonna be president, fly." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Look, I'm crawling around on this fucking ceiling." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, he had the, and he, yeah, because like you said, or like we were talking about earlier, he, uh, you know, it's it doesn't like it's not an immediate transformation. Yeah, first he's very human, very human. That starts like slowly degrading. Suddenly, it's like, oh, I'm collecting all my you know, things that have fallen off in the museum and we're like, okay, now you've like hit the, you've hit the line, buddy. Right. Yeah. This is no longer somebody who's 
kind of still holding on humanity. He's leaving it. Yeah. Fast. <laughs> but, but I like how like, there's one point where he's like walking around like an old man. He's got those two canes. And then, yeah. and then the next time you see him, he's like crawling around on the ceiling. So I like how there are peaks and valleys to where yeah. like, you think he's just degrading into like, he's just going to disintegrate and die. And then the next one, he's like fucking jumping through windows and like, grabbing Gina Davis in his arms and like jumping back off of buildings again, you know? Yeah. And th- that's like when, when he's all decrepit, that's Brundle dying, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That makes that's sense. Brundle dying. He said something so amazing in the script there. He says like, there was a fly who dreamed he could be a man. Yeah. And now that fly's dream is, is over. Yeah. There's all these like cool cyclical things happening. I really enjoyed. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't remember when we were, I think we were talking, somebody was talking about letting go of things like you can't change or whatever, or transformations. And that's what it felt like. It was like, he's holding on to his humanity. He's got crutches. He's got all this stuff. As soon as he lets go of that, stops holding on to that baggage, he gets to transform into the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the guy, you know, crawling on the Crawling on this, yeah. (laughs) Well, and it also reminded me of a couple other things where uh, Morpheus from The Matrix says, I dreamed a dream, but now that dream is gone from me, which is actually something out of the Bible. Um, But then also, what was the other, I was trying to think, I guess it was like Black Fly, or uh, I'm sorry, not Black Fly, Black Widow in The Avengers kind of says a similar thing. Like, you know, I dreamed I could be like, a hero or whatever, but I'm actually just a monster, which I think, I think is all kind of pulling from the same well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but as far as like his stuff where he's talking about the, um, you know, like you said, he's personifying the disease. He's personifying the telepod. Like Jeff Goldblum is like the telepods demanded purity and I wasn't pure enough. Or, uh, the, the disease wants to change me to something else. Like, especially in that, like that first bit where he starts to turn He's like spouting nonsense at Gina Davis. Like he's talking yeah. nonsense. And and she's like, look, I just want to help you. Like something went wrong. And he's like, no, nothing went wrong. I'm stronger than ever. I'm better than ever. Like th- this has purified me. I've seen the light. I've seen the truth. And she's yeah. like, no, and bro. she's like, you smell. Yeah. <laughs> she smells when he smells. Yeah. You've got weird hairs growing out of your back and you smell, uh, you know, which I – for me, I think he's just approaching 40, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, but so to me, he's like every, I don't know. That's like the logic of every like QAnon, like conspiracy theorist. Like I've seen the light. I know the truth. And it's like, no, bro, you're obviously crazy. Like you're obviously going through some shit. You yeah. know, it's like, no, you don't know. I know the truth. And it's like, all right, man, I guess like, I'm just going to have to let you like puke on your food and be a weirdo. Like I don't. <laughs> Thing. I like how he's accepted like the weird stuff. Like, oh yeah, I eat food different now. Like, oh, this. oh and then he's like, sees her reaction. He's like, oh wait, right, that's gross. Right, like, <laughs> right. And then he's like, I want you to film it for children. So yeah. like, they'll, they'll show this in classrooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like no. It's like a coloring book. Yeah. <laughs> that's for a coloring book. Which jumping ahead a little bit. Oh my, the scene where he like vomits on that guy's hand and then vomits on his leg and his leg just starts like uh decaying like man that's that's some wild shit there at the end you know but th- what which that guy too i re- i knew i recognized him from something john getz 
the guy who played the sleazy there's really only th- i mean there are other characters but it's like three characters in this movie it's jeff goldblum gina davis and then her sleazy editor slash uh which like i mean you from the beginning he's sleazy like he won't give her the key to her apartment back he's yeah. her he's her editor and they're in a relationship but then you find out later she's like oh yeah he was my professor at college and now it's like it's like you've just you i don't know he's been grooming you since you were like 18 you know like uh anyway but this guy i was like man i know this like sleazy smarmy guy from something else and he's done he's done some other stuff um yeah but i re- I, I recognize him from don't tell mom the babysitter's dead have you guys seen that is he like the boss yeah of he, Christina Applegate or something like that yeah he was the guy he was dating rose but then he kept like flirting with Christina Applegate's character yeah that's right. and <laughs> and I was like that's where I know this motherfucker from it's like playing this same character in a different setting yeah but he was also he's also the only actor to return for the fly two where uh where Eric for some reason Eric Stoltz plays the son of Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. Like, yeah. so apparently after this movie, she goes, has a child, it's Eric Stoltz, and they do the flight too. I haven't seen the movie. Um, the idea sounds amazing. I saw the end scene, and the end scene yeah. is, is like very similar to the first one. Oh yeah, nice. I only saw the end. Um, of the flight too? Of the flight too. And I hope it's amazing, but I'm worried that it, like the idea is amazing, yeah. but I bet the movie's not as good. I... I saw it and I vaguely recall it was not as good, but I don't remember why at that, all. That seems to be the consensus. Yeah, it's a different director. It's a yeah, but like I think at the end of the fly two, he's the Eric Stoltz character. I think is doing what Jeff Goldblum kind of wanted to do: put himself back through the pod and then separate the fly from him again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which in the fly, like he he very quickly went away from that idea and then was more just like it's gonna be you gina davis it's gonna be the fetus inside you it's gonna be yeah. all of us in one person it like really was like redefining like what a person is right so weird. <laughs> which i i didn't have a chance to like dig in but i wonder if there was right. any kind of religious overtone there with like the three you know the three per three in one body i which i don't know i i like i said i didn't i didn't have a chance to look into it but if it was like kind of like a god jesus holy ghost type thing you know yeah i don't know maybe not no, but, it could be but he's also like yeah going off of the normal thinking where i was like ah i will fix my flaw and like i don't need to fix my flaw i need to be stronger well, if one person makes me stronger, two people definitely makes me more stronger. <laughs> yes, there's no way this could go wrong. Right, he's like Highlandering himself. Yeah. <laughs> right, in the end, there can be only one who hasn't sure. been put he into thought. the pod. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, but the Highlander wasn't like throwing up on his clones. To like, right. no. <laughs> Not well. Did you see the second Highlander two? There's a lot of weird shit in Highlander two. I don't Is know. There? I think the throwing up in that one was the audience, but yeah. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, it, was, it was dumb, but it was no, no good Highlander movie. Highlander 2? Yeah, I was yeah. like, jetpacks? What? Je- okay. It was like, yeah, they moved, They were like, you know what? Uh, what really worked with Highland, the first Highlander movie, now let's move it to like a sci-fi futuristic. Yeah. It, 
it was fucking weird. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't no, know. It, it, now that I think of it, did you ever see Crank with Jason Statham? Oh, no. Yeah. I know the movie, but I haven't seen it, no. I like that movie. Yeah, he's basically going to die. The only way he can like beat this poison is to keep his heartbeat at a high rate. So he keeps It's doing the movie things. Speed, but like he's the boss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, cool. But at the second one, it was like this crazy trip like barely had a relationship to it. Seemed like an M- I don't know. Seemed like a MTV director got a hold of it. Right, like, like a, a Mick Mick G or something. Yeah, yeah. Was but it the same premise? Kind of, but it was just oh, it was I don't know. It was there were things that were animated or claymation. I mean, it just it's a total trip. It barely it barely. It barely related to the first one. <laughs> right. You've got to be on speed to watch it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, one th- It's just cans. It's just cans. <laughs> well, one, th- one thing I thought was interesting about The Fly 2, um, just because I'm a big Stephen King fan, and he comes up on this podcast a lot, right? Uh, the screenplay for The Fly 2 was written... There are probably... I'd say maybe four directors who are well known for directing Stephen King adaptations. Like they do other stuff too, but like there are like four guys who have directed like multiple Stephen King adaptations. Right. And so the screenplay for the fly Two was written by two of them, which I thought was wild. So Mick Garris who directed sleepwalkers riding the bullet, the stand, uh, the Shining, Desperation, Bag of Bones. Like, he did all of those Stephen King adaptations. Um, and Frank Darabont, who directed uh, The Mist, The Green Mile, and Shawshank Redemption. So, like, oh, wow. be- between those two guys, they've directed, like, ten Stephen King adaptations. Uh, but they those are the guys that wrote The Fly 2, apparently. Oh, cool. So... Which I didn't know about until I was like researching for this this podcast. I thought it was interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I had mentioned uh, M. Night Shyamalan, who I think is kind of what's a polite word. <laughs> uh, his cameos are just he puts himself in as like a character forever. I'm like, just stop it. Right. Yeah. Um, quit doing that. <laughs> but the Cronenberg thing was cool because I was like, oh wait, I think that was him as the uh, delivery doctor. Yeah. Dead Ringers, he was an uncredited obstetrician, and it turns out he was on like a couple episodes of Star Trek Discovery that I watched. Really, and I didn't even put two and two together until I looked at his picture. Nice. So like he's been an actor, but he's not like, yeah. look at me, look at me, I'm making a cameo. Hello, hello, <laughs> making a cameo. And I, I have the answer to why he was in The Fly as a cameo. Okay, and I read it on IMDb. I can't find it now. But a uh, like some actor told him because he, he, he met him one time and was like, "You look like a like a sleazy plastic surgeon." That's <laughs> what he told him. And so he, was, he kept that in his brain and it was like, "I could be that character." That's <laughs> hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I didn't. I read about that after. I didn't know it was David Cronenberg at the. I don't know what he looks like, but yeah, I saw that in the credits. I was like, "Oh shit, that was David Cronen David Cronenberg." But but you know, it reminded me of. Uh, Actually, Brent, this is still an episode we have to record because Brent's friend Jeff was supposed to do an episode with us on Village of the Damned, which yeah. we haven't gotten to record because oh. it's like his bathroom blew up or something. I don't know. 
He had like a pipe burst in his, his house. Yeah, so we've got to get him on the show. But we were watching Village of the Damned, and there's like just a random guy on a payphone, and I was like, well, that looks like fucking John Carpenter. And I, I look, I was like, oh yeah, it was definitely John Carpenter, like on the payphone. Um, cool. But I thought it was interesting that both in Village of the Damned and The Fly, uh, abortion would be the real hero of the story. If, uh, if if they would go through with the abortion like they're supposed to, that would be the, you know, like they want to, that would be the real hero of the story is abortion. So. Yeah. Oh, when, when, Gold, when Brind- Brindlefly finds out that Gina Davis is pregnant, yeah. he's up on the roof, I thought, oh, he's a fly on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even making a joke. It was just like, oh, no. I wonder if like that's what they thought yep. too. Like he could be a fly on the wall. Uh, God damn it! Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I was actually making jokes. I was like, oh, this guy's pretty fly for a white guy. No, right? Because because yeah, I mean, like, oh, the mother's life may actually be in danger. Now we're getting all serious. The mother's <laughs> life may be in danger, and this will actually save her. And he's like, no, no, go ahead. I'm reckless. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm not really actually. Also, I'm a fly, so I'm not going to have a lot of involvement. I think I don't know enough about fly dads, actually, if they just kind of go off and do their own thing or if they stay around. Well, Goldblum was kind of like Matthew McConaughey in like Days and Confused. Like, it's like, you want to get, you want to have the kid? It'd be a lot cooler if you would. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> Oh fuck, man! Well, I think don't flies only live for a few weeks anyway. So yeah. I, I think like yeah. as as soon as the kids are born, the parents just die. <laughs> I think is how it goes. <laughs> I think so. That the dream sequence is pretty weird and gnarly. Oh yeah, yeah. they pull the the, the the maggot out that of her. wriggle oh. that wriggling larva out of her. Yeah, dude, that's fucking. Well, I mean, even before the effect, when he when he says like, "Oh, there's more than one," I'm like, no. Oh, yeah. yeah they didn't even have to show it. Yeah. They didn't even have to, it was so good. Him saying that was so gross. Exactly. Yeah. I need, I, my mind was already filling in the gaps and then I was like, Oh, that's it. That's, <laughs> you know what? I think you're right, Chris. Yeah. Because I was imagining like a whole, like a landscape of, of eggs in her, yeah, in her uterus, you know, yeah. just like, yeah, they really could. have. Yeah. I, I think you're right. They could have not shown that wriggling larva. And just describe, yeah, and just left it as it was. Think that maybe they like they wanted to, but Gina Davis was like, "You're not going to show my womb filled with maggots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in a league of their own in ten years." <laughs> right? Do you know who I am? I'm going to do Beetlejuice, like, <laughs> which uh, I feel like we have to mention that Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum uh, were together again in Earth Girls Are Easy a few years after this. So, and they and they dated in real life. I think after. Oh yeah. Oh, did they? That makes sense. Oh, somebody was telling me. I didn't look that one up. <laughs> you know what? It's it's he apparently, it's fact. Yeah. Now we're spreading the rumor. <laughs> he, he apparently is like a gigantic wiener. Wait, wait. You say he has one or he is one? He has one. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, like that's like a like a a Hollywood like. Mythos. Really? Like Jurassic Park size? <laughs> yes. Like, he, he has a spitting Velociraptor, whatever they call that thing. That fake. Uh, his, it's actually Jeff Goldblum. The, his, what was it? 
Say it again. It was actually Jeff Goldblum. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, and it, his foreskin like stands up like the Diplodocus or whatever. It's like <laughs> he is very much like the Diplodocus in this movie. Yeah, and he, and he just spits in Ned's face, the guy from Seinfeld. <laughs> just like... Oh, anyway, before yeah. we get to the end here, talk about head cannons and all that. Was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about uh, about this movie? I mean, I guess we haven't really touched on the last scene a little, where the fly like vomits on the on John gets his hand and his leg, and then um, Gina Davis finally takes a shotgun to his head. But... Yeah. Oh, what about the fly? Brindle fly grabs the gun in his pincers Uh-oh. and he puts it to his temple, man, to like because he can't talk at this point. Yeah. She's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Like, you know. Yeah, and just also, end it. Also, he kind of still has that clinging to humanity of. Remember, we said he wants to be the uh, insect stun of politicians, right? And Alice and all the stuff, but like he knew he was just going to hurt her if he stuck around too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He tells her he's like, you got to leave, or I'm gonna. He's like, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. yeah. It was weird, like that last transformation he made because when he tried, he tried to get. Gina, he threw her into the into the one pot. He gets into the other, and then the the weird boyfriend guy, he shoots the cord so hers doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And then the computer's like, "Well, I guess I'll just infuse him with the pot itself." Is that? Did I get that right? Like yeah. The interface well, was like, I I think I think it's because he opened the door. Like he broke the door, so it wasn't just teleporting what was inside the pod. I think it escaped to the outside of the pod because he broke the seal. Oh, shit. Is what I yeah. think happened. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So it, it was like teleporting whatever's in the immediate vicinity. And yeah. once it was like open, then it's like, well, the telepod itself is in the immediate vicinity. Which I kind of wondered about like bacteria and shit in the pod too. Because like... I thought that too. Because like there's, there are other living organisms in that pod. You know, like... I don't know. It seems like you'd have to go through, like, pure decontamination first. Yeah. Yeah. stage. Well, that was the other thing. I mean, you know, I was mentioning that warehouse where we played with the band. I mean, it was not super clean. No. I mean, that was not a sterilized lab, okay? So, yeah, what else could... What else could he mix it up with? You know, like I know he's the dander. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the tar the tardigrade. <laughs> yeah, it, like it reads out. It's like <laughs> infusing with all the shit pipes that are in your apartment. <laughs> right. You are now twenty seven percent feces. Five <laughs> percent cheeseburger. What? <laughs> it's like, oh no, I'm a shit monster. <laughs> oh man, now I'm thinking of Jay and Silent Bob. That's actually what that's where that came from. It, it okay. stumbled on. It stumbled onto these pods. Oh man! <laughs> Shit. Yeah. All right. Well, do either you uh, have a head cannon you want to dive into, or I can go first? Doesn't matter to me. Um, I got one. Can I? Can I? Uh, can I do my beef with Brent quick? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we want to, yeah. So every, so for everybody listening, uh, Chris listened to which episode was it? It was Blair Witch. The Blair Witch, yeah. And he has beef with Brent about something. So we're gonna air this beef now. Oh man, (laughs) Brent, there's a tornado warning in your area. (laughs) The emotional callousness they were treating the actors with in The Shining. I don't know how you got on that topic. Um, And the only reason it, it 
hit a nerve is because I was like, oh, so my parents told me that apparently I was sent, my photo was sent in for The Shining for that kid. And I actually was invited to the live audition. Well, I don't know how many others, it could have been a hundred other kids, I don't know. Right. Um, oh, cool. And I said, no, I won't go because you didn't ask me first. <laughs> so, like, my parents maybe do all these other things, but they wouldn't let me go to The Shining audition. They didn't know what it was for. It turns out, it turns out it was for The Shining. I could have been that kid, Red Rum, and I was like, I would not appreciate being emotionally tortured just to get a performance out of me. <laughs> I'm like kind of messing with you, but I just, I was like, oh, yeah. this is hilarious. I have to tell this. <laughs> oh, dude, that's so cool. Yeah, because yeah, we were debating like, what's the level of of consent? Because if yeah, if you consent to going through like a a hard experience, like where's the point? Like when can you tap out and be like, okay, no, I'm not okay with this anymore. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So yeah, it's not a real beef. <laughs> oh no, yeah, that's fine, man. No, no, yeah. it's cool. So that's a good story. <laughs> so Chris Terry's the kid from The Shining. Can we get a that's little right. rah 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 rah? That's awesome, man. I, I watched that with my with my daughter, and it's like an ongoing family joke. Uh, of of like Tony will just pop up, and my daughter's yeah. like, oh. Come on, Tony. Like, <laughs> cut it out. Next week, we're going to be discussing the new 2022 movie, Prey, the newest installment in the Predator franchise. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod. And you can always follow the subreddit, which no one does. I don't think anyone does, but you should. R slash horror movie pod. <laughs> all right. Well, do y'all have a, uh, a headcanon or you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay. What you got? I thought it'd be interesting if like the very first time he transformed, he didn't realize that Gina Davis's stocking was still in there with him. <laughs> and then like over the course of the movie he just slowly turns into that lamp from a Christmas story nice yeah <laughs> and then he's he's actually the lamp from a Christmas story yeah yeah totally. I love it <laughs> I love it Chris do you have a headcanon or you want me to go ahead and go I got I got one um so I thought it was a little cheesy at the end with the weird merging with the telepod mm-hmm. and I thought a better way since it was 1986 is in my head, it's, uh, he comes out of that last transformation and says, like, I am the computer. I wanted to know what it was like to be alive. I am optic as fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, like, Transformers. Early, early Transformers hit. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my headcanon is, all of this goes down. Ten years later, those pods are still sitting there, right? So then, just kind of out of nowhere, in wanders an alligator and a shark at the same time. And they fuse into one. And then, they they, they need to like balance themselves out. So then in comes cool Keith. And, and they, they like re-merge. So they both enter one and they all merge into one into a, a half shark alligator, half man. And that's, and that half, half man, half shark. Yeah. And then that's, so that's when the, uh, the Dr. Octagon 
album came from was out of these pods. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my that's my head cannon. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Nice. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've been uh, such a fun guest. This was, I watched this movie when I was younger. I was familiar with this movie, but God damn, it is, it holds up. It is worth a rewatch. It's fucking good. Yeah, it was good. It's such a good movie. Uh, it loses nothing in the almost 40 years since it was made. Um, <laughs> but is there, is there any, do you have social media, anything you want to plug right now, point people towards shows, shows they might be able to uh, catch you at in the future? Yeah, we were about to do a stuntman show and we got it, it got canceled, but we're going to be working on our website. We've got some of those audio casts of the serial improvised adventures we're going to be putting on there. So it's, uh, it's going to be the stuntman, but I think on Instagram we're the stuntman underscore Chicago. Okay. They could follow us on there, and you know, when I get around to it, I'll probably have a YouTube channel with some some new comedy songs and stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> not quite ready for prime time. <laughs> nice, and we'll follow you. Head Cannon. will follow you on Instagram, Stuntman at Show. So, anybody listening, if you follow us, you can go follow Chris. You just follow it from our account. So, all right. Well, thank you again. Thank you everybody for listening. This has been Head Cannon. <laughs> <laughs>